Hello, I'm delighted to have your company here on Search for Truth. Thanks for tuning in. Our theme in the talk this time is Stepping Out Fully into God's Will. It's talk number five in this eight-part series called Increasing Our Christian Footprint as We Walk with God. Once again, Brian's looking into some events in the Old Testament of the Bible to compare how we can establish ourselves in our Christian faith by allowing God's Spirit to reach His full potential in our Christian service. So, Brian, tell us more, please. Thanks, John. Our series of studies is tracking the structures known as the Gilgalim, or the Gilgals, As the name itself suggests, in the Hebrew, these structures are enclosures with circular features, circles of stones, more than one usually, and often giving the overall stone enclosure the shape of a giant foot. A handful of such sites have been found in the Holy Land and would appear to date from the conquest of the land under Joshua. Previously, the inhabitants of that land were Canaanites, It appears that we can reasonably assume these well-documented modern-day archaeological finds connect with at least two places, both referred to as Gilgal in our Bibles. Since significant events in the history of God's dealings with his ancient people happened at these sites, we are motivated to revisit them for our spiritual benefit in this study, trying to discover as how we can increase our Christian footprint. Having first featured the northern Gilgal, mentioned in Deuteronomy, which must have been close to the site of Jacob's encounter with his brother Esau, we've moved now to the Gilgal site nearer to Jericho, which served as the first base of God's ancient people in the land that was formerly Canaan. It was here the people under Joshua's leadership rolled away the reproach of Egypt as they renewed the rite of circumcision associated with the covenant God had made with Abraham, when affirming his promise of this very land to Abraham's descendants. It was here, you remember, that they'd set up twelve stones taken from the dried-up Jordan riverbed. There's every possibility they were set up as a circle of stones to serve as a memorial of how God's hand had been with them in the river crossing. So this particular Gilgal was where Israel came to first remember and then renew their commitments to God. I suggest we now stay with this same Gilgal, for it seems to have been this site which features in the Bible's narrative throughout the days of Samuel, Saul, David, and even into the times of Elijah and Elisha. We meet it again, as we say, in the life of Samuel, where we read from 1 Samuel chapter 7, Now Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He used to go annually on circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then his return was to Ramah, for his house was there, and there he judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. Samuel was a good judge. He worked faithfully and lifelong for God, but unfortunately his sons were not made of the same stuff that he was. The people saw this too, and they asked Samuel to appoint a king for them, so they could be just like the other surrounding nations. This request displeased Samuel, as he knew their motive was deeply flawed. God didn't want his people to be just like everyone else. After all, they were the people of the holy God of heaven. God softened Samuel's disappointment, explaining to him that the people were not rejecting him, 
but rather it was God they were rejecting from being their supreme ruler. However, very graciously, God was going to grant their request. It was at this time in history that God directed Samuel to a young man called Saul. After making it clear to Samuel that Saul would be the first king, we read in 1 Samuel chapter 10, Then Samuel took the flask of oil, poured it on his head, kissed him, and said, Has not the Lord anointed you a ruler over his inheritance? When you go from me today, then you will find two men close to Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they will say to you, The donkeys which you went to look for have been found. This was the first of three promises Samuel gave to Saul that morning. They took the form of three signs that he was to look out for, and they'd all happen that same day. It was surely intended that this would give reassurance to Saul just as he was about to enter into this new phase of his life. The responsibilities of becoming king would obviously be very intimidating for him. He'd need to be reassured this really was God's will and plan for him, and that as he stepped into this new and challenging role, he'd be able to trust in God for the things he'd need. Maybe you're at the threshold of some new responsibility in Christian service, or are facing up to some change in circumstances that'll present fresh opportunities for witnessing. I think there's some way in which we can all benefit from the three special assurances which God gave to Saul that day through Samuel. But there was to be another, a second sign. Then you will go on further from there, and you will come as far as the oak of Tabor, and there three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a jug of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from their hand. So having dealt with the solution of problems, we now come to the second promise, the promise to supply provisions. At least I take it to mean that God was intending Saul to understand that just as he provided welcome provisions that day, he could be counted on to do the same throughout his future service. Whenever we start out on a new venture for the Lord, one which we are convinced the Lord is leading us into, we might still have very human anxieties about a variety of matters. Will we be able to find suitable accommodation? What about unforeseen expenses for which we've no savings in reserve? And many other things like that. The Apostle Paul had experience of this in his life of Christian service, and he could later share with the Christians at Philippi the following reassurance. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Those are the words of Philippians 4 and verse 19, of course. Finally, let's take a look at the third promise sign. Here's what we find as we read further in 1 Samuel chapter 10 about the third of those assurances given to Saul. Afterward, you will come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is, and it shall be as soon as you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and a lyre before them, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily, and you shall prophesy with them and be changed into another man. It shall be when these signs come to you, do for yourself what the occasion requires, for God is with you. And you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and sacrifice peace offerings. 
You shall wait seven days until I come to you and show you what you should do. Then it happened when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God changed his heart and all those signs came about that day. When they came to the hill, there, behold, a group of prophets met him and the Spirit of God came upon him mightily so that he prophesied among them. It came about when all who knew him previously saw that he prophesied now with the prophets that the people said to one another, What has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? A man there said, Now, who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? So this third sign brings to us the promise of power being sent from God to enable Saul to serve the will of God. You know, when we look over all three of these signs, here's what we notice. They take us to a hill, a tree, and a tomb. And where else can we look but to the hill of Calvary and the tree of Golgotha and the empty tomb of the now risen Saviour? These are the sources of all our reassurances in service for him today, even the knowledge that problems will be solved, provisions will be supplied, and power will be sent. Shortly after Saul's return, Samuel introduced him as their new king. Some worthless men didn't honour Saul with a gift, but rather sneered that he wouldn't likely be able to deliver them. But it must have been so much more encouraging for Saul that valiant men whose hearts God had touched went with him. Isn't that a great description? I hope we will be found in the ranks of those who become valiant for God because he's touched our hearts. Saul was soon called into action. The Ammonite king thundered his threats against the city of Jabesh-Gilead and they agreed to an ultimatum. The Holy Spirit energised Saul in response and he led Israel to victory against the enemy. This turn of events won over Saul's doubters. And so we read in 1 Samuel 11, Then the people said to Samuel, Who is he that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished deliverance in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, and let us go to Gilgal, and renew the kingdom there. So the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they also offered sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. So they renewed the kingdom at Gilgal. How fitting that it should be at Gilgal. Gilgal, after all, was where the people of God came to renew their commitments. In this instance, to Saul and to God's purpose through him. So what's the message for us? In this instalment of events, based around one of the Gilgals, we're challenged to step out in full obedience into all the will of God for our lives, claiming biblical assurances and overcoming our own doubts and perhaps those of others.
Thanks, Brian, for your interesting talk. And once again, I remind everyone that there's a free transcript book for this series. And also, if you've got any questions, please write in and Brian will be glad to help. You can also download many of our books and talks via the internet, but the hard copy book for this series is available to you by asking for the title Increasing Our Christian Footprint. You can order by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN4 8DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. And you might be interested to know that many titles of Search for Truth transcript books have been turned into e-books and are available at amazon.co.uk forward slash kindle hyphen ebooks. Just type Search for Truth series into the search box and you'll find them. Our time's up, I'm sorry to say, but I hope you'll be able to join us again next week for What to Do If Our Feet Slip. Until then, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers, and me, John. So cheerio, and may God richly bless you.